Hey, listening family, we are embarking on a new study in 2 Samuel. It's an exciting book to study, and it's a heavy book at times because it focuses on a man named David, a man known for being one after God's own heart, a man who we know running from Saul for so many years, but a man who also inflicted a lot of pain on his own life by bad decisions. We're going to look at the life of David. We're going to look at this first chapter, how the mighty have fallen, and see into David's heart. And we'll do that today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. If you've been with us for a while, we did go through 1 Samuel on Wednesday nights. That book in its entirety is up on the website, livingtruthcorona.org. Just click on the archive section. If you want to get 1 Samuel under your belt, I would recommend that you do that. So if you're looking for some devotional reading, a good place to be would be 1 Samuel because it'll give you the larger picture of where we're headed as we move into the book of 2 Samuel. Now you remember just a few Sundays ago, we finished the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth ended with a genealogy. And we saw the birth of Obed. And I told you that Obed's name means, I don't want to go to bed. (laughs) Oh, bed. Anyway, that's not the literal meaning. It means servant. And so, and then we saw Jesse and then David mentioned in that genealogy. The book of Ruth ends with a a marriage and a a beautiful uh, child that's uh, born to Naomi to Ruth and Naomi. And so the line goes on, and then we get this genealogy that's picked up in the book of Matthew that's taken from the book of Ruth, pointing to David. And when I, when I say the name David, I would ask, you know, what comes to mind immediately for you when I say David? Some of you immediately think of the story of David and Goliath, right? The story that we've all told to our kids Probably early on, if they grew up in a Christian home, we told them about that story of the underdog, the youngest of eight, who said, if nobody else is going to fight him, I'll fight him. And he said, look, you've defied the armies of the living God, and I come to you in the power of God. And he dealt the death blow to this huge, giant Goliath. Hit him right between the eyes, right? And down he went. We think of David as anointed, as a young man, as the, he would be the second king of Israel. And we think of his uh, having to run from Saul all that time, you know, uh, probably a good stretch of decades where he was waiting to take the throne and he had to deal with this Saul, this crazed king who wanted to kill him. And he got good at ducking javelins, you remember, spears, right? A couple times Saul tried to kill him and he had to get out of the way. And there was a few times when David had the chance to kill Saul. One of the scenes in the, uh, the book of 1 Samuel was uh, David and his men are in a cave. And Saul goes into the cave to use the restroom. And I'm not kidding, this is what the Bible says. And he's going to go in there and, you know, some people wonder, well, how did he know which cave to go into It said men right on the cave, so just so you guys know. And he went in there, and it would appear that um, he was going to spend a little time in the cave. I won't get uh, any more graphic than that, but he was in a very vulnerable position. Let's just put it that way. And God had brought him into a cave where David and his men just happened to be. 
And his men were like, David, he's, God's handed you Saul on a platter. Just take him out now. Let's be done with this. But David refused to kill him. He said, I will not touch God's anointed. On another occasion, he had a chance to kill him again, and he did not touch him. And of course, if I were to ask you, I'm sure you would all recall that a little later in David's life, at a time when kings should be uh, should have gone out to war, and we'll see this later in chapter 11. David was up on his rooftop, and he got himself in big trouble with a woman named Bathsheba. And, you know, that ended up marking his life. And not only was that a major, you know, fall for David, but it ended up costing the child's life. It ended up costing David tension in his family. In fact, God told him, the sword's never going to leave your house. So even though David was forgiven, um, he dealt with consequences. You know, one thing I was thinking of as we move into the series in 2 Samuel is thinking about what's in a name. You think of the name of David and a lot comes to your mind and heart. You think of the name of a loved one that maybe has since passed on and a lot floods your heart. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You have good memories of that person. You have maybe tough memories of that person. And there's a, a dash between two dates. We're going to be born on a date. We all have been born on a date. We're going to pass from this life. David is now gone, and we're going to leave a legacy. And the interesting thing about David's life is that David's life is a foreshadowing of a coming greater king. David was the second king of Israel. His life foreshadows a coming king, a greater king. He was actually, when he was on the earth, people would call him the son of David, he was known by scholars as the greater David, and his name is Jesus Christ. And so this series, we're, you know, behind me, we have the kingdom of God, and we're going to talk about the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about something that maybe we don't talk about a lot in the church, the kingdom of God, and what you actually belong to is a king and a kingdom. And that king and kingdom is foreshadowed in the reign of David over Israel as the northern and southern uh, tribes of Israel really united under David and Solomon. And it's a picture of this great coming leader. We often talk about the millennial reign of Jesus Christ, the thousand-year reign where, where he will rule and reign from Jerusalem. And we're looking forward to that time. And that leadership is actually foreshadowed in the coming kingdom of David. Would you pray with me, Father, or the coming kingdom of Jesus. Father, thank you for your word. As we get into the word of God, I pray that you would take us where you want us to go, that we would go deeper with our King, our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, moved by your Holy Spirit, we pray. We know you want to move in our hearts, Lord, so we're here to hear from you. So just speak to us. Your servants are listening. Give us ears to hear and a heart to obey you. And I pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Now, I'm sure you've all heard this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, if I asked you, what does it mean to seek first the kingdom of God? That's what's behind me, the kingdom of God. I wonder how you would answer that. Do you know what it means to seek first the kingdom of God? What does that mean? Well, we live in a democratic society, and so kings and kingdoms are a little bit foreign to us. We can look at other countries like England, and we can see, well, some of that still remains, and in other countries it does. But kings and kingdoms is what the ancient world only knew. 
For every land there was a king and there was a kingdom and you pretty much obeyed what the king said. And even in the first century context when Jesus lived, there were the Caesars and they were the kings. They were the leaders. There were pharaohs in Egypt. There were kings in, in Babylon and uh, Medo-Persia and on down the line. And now at the time that Jesus is living, there are what is called the Caesars. And the Caesars wanted to be called what? Lord. In fact, the Christians got in trouble for not saying Caesar is Lord. They would say Jesus is Lord. And it got them in trouble. You and I as Christians, this is what we say. And here's another way to say it. We say Jesus is my king. Jesus is my Lord. They're really synonymous terms. And so, as a Christian, what should really be driving your life is that you have decided to make Jesus Lord of your life, your king, your master. What he says goes. Recently, I ran into a young lady, and I happened to be at a gas station, and we had gotten in a little conversation about the Lord. And I asked her if she was a Christian. And she said, I'm spiritual. And I said, so what exactly does that mean? Are you familiar with the Bible? Are you familiar with the Christian faith? And she said, oh, yes. I, I, I kind of grew up in the church. And here's the sense that I got. See if you've ever been here. The sense that I got is by saying that she was spiritual and not a Christian, she could decide what it meant to be spiritual. And here's where I'm going with this. And this is what I said to her. I said, look, God has things that he says are right and wrong. When you say I'm spiritual, what does that really mean? Are you defining what it means to be spiritual? Or are you willing to follow the one who said, I am king of kings and lord of lords? Are you willing to do it his way or your way? And the sense that I got, and I get this quite often when I talk to people, is she wanted to pick and choose what she wanted to do. So I'm spiritual as I define what spirituality is. Look, if Jesus is your king, he defines your spirituality. That's, that's how it rolls, folks. There are a lot of people in our country right now that want to define their own rules. That's where we are today. We're not living in many ways, even as a Christian church, and I'm talking about the professing church in America and around the world, as though Jesus truly was our king. So we start the book of 2 Samuel with these words. Now it came about, 2 Samuel 1.1, it came about after the death of Saul when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites that David remained two days in Ziklag. Now, the book of 2 Samuel starts with after the death of Saul. What kind of king was Saul? Well, he started out with great promise. His name literally means asked for. And he is what the people asked for. They wanted a king. Remember, they came to Samuel and they said, we want a king. We want to be like all the other nations. And Samuel was upset, the prophet of Israel. And he came to God and God said, don't be upset. Give the people what they want for they haven't rejected you. They've what? Rejected me from being king over them. That's what's happened here. So give them what they asked for. The name Saul means asked for. Sometimes when you get what you asked for, Oh, it's not great. We ask the Lord for certain things and sometimes he says no or wait.
Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. I just want to share my heart for a second. We have a website called walkintruth.com and we've put up a store and we're adding more and more products to it. But one of the reasons I want to get you to that store is that you can partner with us in the ministry. You know, radio airtime costs money and we want to reach more people. If you're being blessed by this ministry, one of the ways that you can partner with us is to go to the website and purchase a product. You can also purchase my book on The Armor of God. I'll get you a signed copy and whatever you give to the ministry will go directly to paying for radio airtime. That's one way you can partner with us. You can help us reach more people like you and you can partner with us in the gospel ministry. It's a great thing. We appreciate you. We love you. Pray for us. We'll keep praying for you. Reach out to us today through the store at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. And he came to God and God said, don't be upset. Give the people what they want for they haven't rejected you. They've what? Rejected me from being king over them. That's what's happened here. So give them what they asked for. The name Saul means asked for. Sometimes when you get what you asked for, it's not great. We ask the Lord for certain things and sometimes he says no or wait and we can whine like little babies. I want it, I want it now, I want it now. And God says, wait, this is not the best thing for you. Am I your king? Are you my servant? One of the images of the idea of a Christian is when you come before a king, what do you do? You bow. The Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I ask you, is he your king? Every day, you and I have to decide who our king is. Will you be the captain of your own ship? Will you let the God of this world decide what you're going to do this day? Or is King Jesus going to be the one who dictates what you do? Jesus talked a lot about coming into the kingdom of God and Notice there's the death of Saul and the rising up of David. And Saul was tall and handsome. He was head and shoulders above the rest. He looked kingly. He looked like the right guy, the right choice. But he was what the people asked for. Technically, he wasn't God's choice because God chose a man after what? His own heart. That's what David was. Now, we all know that David was not perfect. We just talked about the story of Bathsheba. But David had the heart of God. He was willing to let God lead him to lead the nation. He was known as the sweet psalmist of Israel. Saul, the number one problem with Saul, what got Saul in trouble was one word, disobedience. He did not follow God. He did not do what God said. And eventually it cost Saul everything. We find this sad scene when Saul is wondering what to do and the Philistines are mounting garrisons against him. He ends up going to a witch, remember? The medium at Endor. And he had kicked all the witches out, but then he's trying to find out what to do and he's desperate. God's not responding to him because Saul's heart is not right. And he goes to this witch at Endor. And there she is. And all of a sudden Samuel comes up. Do you remember this? Some people say, was it really Samuel? Oh, I think it was really Samuel. I think God allowed it. I think the medium was probably as shocked as anybody to realize that this had happened. Maybe it had never happened before. 
Maybe she re- responded like Whoopi Goldberg in the movie Ghost. You remember? I don't know what's going on around here. Movie's not theologically correct, but anyway. And it was Samuel. And remember, Samuel said to Saul, why do you trouble me? Why did you bring me up? I don't know what to do. God's not talking to me anymore. And, and Samuel says, it's because you become God's enemy. And he goes, I'll tell you what, here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow, you and your sons are going to be with me. You want a prophecy? You want a word? Here it is. You're going to die tomorrow on the battlefield. Saul didn't even want to eat anything. He was on the ground, wondering what to do. The medium had to convince him to eat a meal. And the, the end of the book of 1 Samuel ends with the death of Saul. He's actually wounded on the battlefield. He gets hit by the archers and he ends up dying. And the account in 1 Samuel 31 says he commits suicide. That he's hit by the archers, apparently mortally wounded, and he falls on his sword. Falling on your sword has become a metaphor in our culture for what? Taking ownership, admitting you were wrong, saying, I need God, I need help. Sometimes you have to fall on your sword in life and say, I made a mistake, I said the wrong thing. Had Saul metaphorically fallen on his sword earlier, he would have been in good shape. But he ran and he was disobedient and he paid the ultimate price. And it wasn't only him. His sons died with him. And one son in particular, whose name was Jonathan. And Jonathan was very precious to David. They had a covenant, uh, a friendship, a bond of warriors. They had They had agreed to be good to one another's families. Jonathan had divested himself of the royal garments in a a beautiful picture in 1 Samuel and given them to David. He, He was next in line for the throne, but he knew that he wasn't the man that David was. There was a loyal friendship. And Saul, you know, when you think of Saul, verse 1, after the death of Saul, what do you think of? You probably think of failure. You probably think of a man who came short of all that he could have been. This is what the kingdom of God's about. It's about whether or not you want to follow the king or not. Do you know that only two men of the whole generation of Israel went into the promised land? Not even Moses made it. Do you remember the two men that made it? Joshua and Caleb. Do you know why they made it? Because the Bible says they followed the Lord fully. That's our problem, isn't it? It's hard in our culture with our flesh and the world and the devil to follow the Lord fully. But the kingdom of God is about a decision that you and I need to make as to who we're going to follow. Are we going to follow the Lord fully or not? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. One writer says, David, as we transition from Saul to David, is one of the most important figures of world history. He has captured the imagination of great artists, sculptors, and writers. A large part of the reason for this is the remarkable account of his life and reign found in 1 and 2 Samuel. The story is captivating. In one of the world's finest pieces of narrative literature, the greatness and the weaknesses of this man's life are portrayed in vivid and gripping detail. I was thinking... What would it be like to know that a, an account of your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, was going to be recorded for future generations? And I'm talking about warts and all. I'm talking about not just your good times, not just your great decisions, not just your spiritual moments, but your moments of weakness, your worst mistake, 
on display for the next hundred generations should the Lord tarry. How would you feel about that? Would you want to be, have final control over edits? Can I get a witness? I would. <laughs> Can we take that part out? That doesn't sound so good, right? But David's life is on display for all to see. And you know, our lives, the Bible says, are naked and open before the one to whom we must give an account. In heaven, there are books. One day, the books are going to be opened. And we're not going to be judged for our sin, but the good, the bad, and the ugly, if we're, we're Christians, we're not going to be judged for our sin, is still before God. This is the man who is the unexpected king. You know, when the prophet went to the house, you remember? Oh, surely it's this one, Lord. The Lord says, no. Surely it's this one, Lord. The Lord says, no. Finally, the prophet has to say, you got any other kids? You know, yeah, there's one out in the field with the sheep. He's the ruddy one. He's a little shepherd boy. That's the man. God does not use people that we expect, the ones that always have the right look and all the gifts that we think should make a person what they're supposed to be. David's story foreshadows the greatest story, that of the coming Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I am going to do 2 Samuel, and we've done one verse so far. <laughs> and we are, we're going to move into 2 Samuel, but I want to show you just a few things as I introduce this concept of the kingdom of God to you that the Bible says. And I want to try to do this from the book of Luke. So would you go to Luke 4? And I just want to show you what you belong to and how many times this comes up in your Bible. You remember when Jesus first started preaching? He came and he began to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. He said, it's the time. The kingdom of God is what? Is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. Believe the gospel. Luke 4 this is one of the purpose statements in the Bible, Luke 4, 43. Jesus has done a bunch of healing at Capernaum, and he says these words. He said to them, 4, 43 of Luke, I must preach the what? The kingdom of God to the other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. Now, there's very few times in your Bible when you're going to see a purpose statement made by the Lord. This is why I came to the world. He will tell Pilate in the Gospel of John, Pilate says to him, so you're a king then? Jesus says, oh, you say rightly I'm a king. For this purpose I was born. For this reason I came into the world to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate, in the interchange, Jesus says, you know, my servants were, would be fighting that the, those who handed me over to you, you know, this would not occur. But for right now, my kingdom is not of this realm. You're a king then? You have a kingdom? Do you remember when the wise men came? They sought out one who was born, what? King of the Jews. And they brought him three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Look at Luke chapter 8, verse 1. The king and the kingdom, the kingdom of God to which we belong. Chapter 8, verse 1 of the Gospel of Luke says, It came about soon afterwards, Luke 8, 1, that he began going from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching what? The kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. Go to Luke 11. This is the Lord's Prayer. The disciples were watching Jesus pray, and they 
wanted to learn what he was doing. And so he taught them these words. He said to them, Luke eleven two. when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name. What's the prayer? Thy kingdom come. How many times have you guys prayed that? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, this, this is the New Testament, you guys, and, and this is what it says over and over again. Luke 16, 16. Luke, move over there for a second. Luke 16, 16 says, Jesus is speaking, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since then, the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone is what? Forcing or pressing his way into it. It would appear that the kingdom of God is something that you have to enter into. It is something that you have to move into as a decision that you make as an individual. Look at Luke 17. Look at verse 21. This is confirmed in this section. Luke 17, 21 says, Nor will they say, Jesus speaking, Look, here it is, speaking of the kingdom of God, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is what? It's in your midst. Now, New Agers say, you see, the kingdom of God is in us. All you got to do is look within. Er, wrong. Sorry. The kingdom of God being in your midst means it's here. I'm here. I'm the king of the kingdom. Or other scholars would say it's represented in the apostles. In your midst means around you. It's right here, right now. In me, the king, and my servants who are part of the kingdom. Would you enter into it? Would you come into the kingdom? In Luke 18, look at verse 16. Luke 18, 16, you may say, well, how do you get into this kingdom? Jesus called for them, saying, permit, 18, 16 of Luke, the children to come to me and do not hinder them for what? The kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I say to you, Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall what? Shall not enter into it at all. The kingdom of God is something that you enter into by doing what? By changing your allegiances. When you say, when you decide to become a Christian, what you say, here's the biblical prayer. You say, Jesus is what? Is Lord. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, and you confess him as Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus uh, is Lord, that he rose from the dead, you will what? You will be saved. Even what we have taken the sinner's prayer from has the idea of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a transfer of allegiance from one king, who's the God of this world right now? Satan. To another king, King Jesus. Hey folks, I'm excited to tell you about another way that you can connect with Walk in Truth. Download the Radio Scribe app and search for Walk in Truth. There you'll find a lot of cool resources. You'll be able to listen to messages. You can access devotionals and you can partner with Walk in Truth and help us reach more people. Download the Radio Scribe app, search for Walk in Truth and find a lot of cool resources there. I know it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.